Right. So <clears throat> this is uh, this is the first time we have been rec- like we've done. Uh, we have issues. Is one but the, one we have issues is, but this is the first time we've done a two grown men, just the two of us, in well, the two of us at all, in what three or four weeks? Twenty fifteen. First time in 2015. Yeah. That's pretty intense. It is. Um, and this isn't going to be a proper episode. This is only going to be a short one, probably. Is it? We'll see. I think so, because um, it's Tuesday, so I want to get it out uh, relatively quickly, because we missed the Monday window. Sure. And also, my wife is out for most of the night, uh, and uh, you know that I love you, right? You got some wanking to do, right? I'm not. I'm not saying I have some, but there is a potential window. I mean, I don't like to plan these things out. You know, I'm I'm um, I'm off work again at the moment, uh, so I'm home alone every day. I, you know, I can't be bothered. Hmm. I can't I can't muster up the enthusiasm for it. I can always find time to masturbate. Yeah, no, I can, well that's it. It's the time thing as much as anything. I enjoy it more than sleeping. No, I prefer sleeping now. The um... although although my body doesn't know when to sleep, so. My body just likes to sort of sleep in three or four hour blocks at various points during the day. Um, doesn't really give me much warning as to when it's going to wake me and when it's going to make me feel very tired, which is delightful. Do you think that the main reason they stopped making Home Alone films is that once Kevin becomes a teenager, mm. the the drive to do anything except masturbate when Home Alone... Well, it just becomes a porn franchise at that point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I'm guessing Macaulay Culkin probably would have been up Macaulay Culkin. Well, that makes him sound quite whimsical and cute, doesn't it? He is quite whimsical and cute. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess Macaulay Culkin might have been up for it by that point. Almost certainly. Um, right, so... <clears throat> he'd have been ahead of the curve as well, because he'd have been like a cam guy before cam guys were a thing. That's true. Uh, he's best known for that very uh, YouTube-friendly picture of him straight to cam... They yeah, like going, to film him looking straight at the cam and going, doing expressions. Hey! Yeah, which is a very webcam sort of a thing, isn't it? It is very. I, Do you think I feel... he invented duck face as well? <laughs> I think he did. I think he did. Um, I feel like the first thing that I should very, very quickly address mm. is that the reason we've missed episodes isn't because James and I hate each other. It isn't because you and I hate each other, is it, James? No, I mean, we, we managed to make two podcasts together despite that. For we for five years we did Yeah, work. incredibly. Um, almost persistently weekly. Yeah. Um, th- what's happened is since Christmas I've been quite ill for one reason and another. I've had a really bad cold and then uh, the, which made, not only did it make podcasting a bit difficult anyway, but because I was off work... I we I couldn't use the studio at work and 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 so it, things things were difficult and then I had diarrhea and sickness uh, last week which which descended on me 
uh, quite suddenly, descended on me and my wife quite suddenly, and so I couldn't record then either. And um, the the out, so it isn't that, it isn't that James and I have had a, a falling out or anything. Uh, problematically, the outcome of me not being able to do the shows did lead to uh, a couple of episodes that might cause problems for us down the line because mm. they've been our best critically received shows uh, probably ever. And that leaves me feeling a bit unsure of my place in the podcast. I've uh, I've become a talent spotter. I've uh, <laughs> I've uh, uh, spotted an exciting new young talent in podcasting, and I'm going to do all I can to usurp you, Nick. Yeah, with that talent, I couldn't couldn't possibly blame you. To be honest, I mean, mm. she's like right there in the house, so it is quite convenient. It is. We should also say that. Um, Despite despite uh, your efforts to sabotage it, James, uh, your wife Nikki did a very good job on both of those podcasts. In the first one, you were really nice, mm. and and you made for really nice conversations. And in the second one, you kept asking her questions that you knew. <laughs> but to to us, it was a hilarious. That was hilarious because she'd come home that evening uh-huh. with with that very list of questions to answer for work. She started a new job. They want to put. They want to put something about her in this newsletter that circulates around work. So that was the list of questions that she had to answer. So we were laughing about that over dinner, as you do. And then we decided that when you contacted me to ask us to make a podcast again that evening, we decided we'd use that list of questions as a basis for some conversation. It wasn't intended to make Nicola look bad. I think she just <laughs> she, she was quite uncomfortable with some of her answers, but... There was a there was a mark. She, I I think it just reflected. That she's a very lovely, normal human being. I yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Uh, there was a marked drop in her, in th- not her enthusiasm, but her confidence in in uh, in in her responses to your questions. It was funny though because you came out as the bad guy. Good as I should. Very, very much. Quite frankly, in this house, I really genuinely am. The, the other two I live with are really nice people. I'm the bastard here. But um, and as you as you well know, though, that was just a just a device for Nikki and I to talk to allow Scarlett to interject occasionally. Anyway, so she was uh, Scarlett. Uh, Scarlett was on fire, especially in that second one. We were her, not we were literally her, on fire. No, that would be dangerous. We were her straight men. <laughs> But it was very good, and uh, thank you very much to uh, Nicola for interest. I mean, Scarlett really just she was just there and, yeah. and kind of has to do whatever you tell her because you're her parents. So yeah, and you yeah, said that the, the other two people you live with are very nice, but I mean, to be fair, you have to be going some at Scarlett's age to actually be a horrible person. Let's see how she turns out. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose the jury's still out on that. Well, they're both they're both keen to do more, so. I get the feeling that the audience is quite keen for them to do more as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we do an occasional an occasional series. Definitely not every week, though, eh? No. Well, I, I mean, seems like that might be quite stressful for you, long term. I, I, I don't know. Possibly, it's quite nice to be honest with the three of us just sit on the floor in the bedroom and that, or it's quite a pleasant way to spend twenty minutes or half an hour. Um. We'll come. We'll come back to how easy it is to record in a minute. Uh, but I do want to ask how Scarlett is today because she's not been mm-hmm. very well. Is that right? Um, she um, she g- came home yesterday from school and she's clearly got conjunctivitis. 
um, which is unpleasant. Uh, although that's not a reason to keep her home in itself. But she was unwell during the night as well, so we took the decision to keep her off. Turns out possibly that was the wrong call because she's actually been full of beans most of the day. But we have got eye drops that have to go in every two hours. Yeah. So um, I think I've probably spared the school wrestling with her every two hours. To um, if you've if you've ever had to put eye drops in the the eye of a four year old regularly, it's not. I, th- I think I think the the phrase it's you know like herding cats. I think that might be where that comes or, from. Uh, it, only it doesn't involve cats, so it's <laughs> unlikely to to be to to be the, the the source of that. But um, she's been pretty good company actually for the most part. She um, you're indoctrinating her in films, aren't you? Well, yeah, we watched a couple of films. She chose to watch Empire Strikes Back, which um. She did kind of intermittently. I um I took the decision to clean the bathroom uh-huh. while she was watching while she was watching that, which was a um, monumental task in itself. But um, uh, yeah, she kind of watched it, and then in the afternoon we put on Raiders Lot or I put on Raiders Lost Ark. Oh yeah, oh which which she'd kind of been watching on and off, but I'd gone off to do something, and the bit that she engaged with was the bit at the end. <laughs> The she, terrifying bit at the yeah, end. She came in and said, "Oh, his face went all melty." <laughs> she loved it. She thought it was really funny. I don't. Um, I couldn't. Rain's... I couldn't look at that until I was in my teens. I used to view that bit through my my hands, terrified. So she's got a lot of bottle. I think. I don't think we were even. We were much older than her when it even came out. Oh yes. I um. Oh no. Mm. Night. Oh, yeah, we definitely were, yeah, because it was the eighties. So yes, there's this there's this weird thing going on where there's kind of this feeling that children are more desensitized or less bothered by stuff, and yet uh-huh. most of the films seem to be quite sanitized, very a little bit. Mm. There aren't you wouldn't see much of the stuff that's in Raiders of the Lost Ark in a PG film now. I don't think. No, I don't think he would, but I don't know, in some ways I, I wonder if, I don't know, maybe it's more the limitations of special effects, so you've got, you've got more scope to make more cookie-cutter, cheesy, kiddie-friendly, I really don't know. I, mm. I, I, all I know is, all I can think about now, when I think about kiddie films, is Smurfs 2, because she's watched it so many times, <laughs> I, um, the, I, I feel like I know it more intimately than I ever hoped to. I've I've tried to get Noah to engage a little bit more with um, narrative TV mm. and narrative films. With with limited success with some of the Disney films, he sat down and enjoyed some of Monsters Inc. as well. Yeah, um, uh, tiny little bits of Lilo and Stitch, which is one of my favourites, but mm. not that much. But it's still always Totoro, or yes. always he can just rewatch that over and over. I think um, Howl's Moving Castle was one of the first long sort of proper length films that Scarlett ever sat down and just in completely engaged with hmm. so there's something about them um, Disney films the first one I remember the first one we ever watched with Scarlett was Dumbo alright because I tell you I can't get enough of those racist crows <laughs> you definitely don't get enough of racist crows in modern children's films there's not nearly enough of that sort of thing no, no. Um, the the uh... The thing, the thing I've noticed about a lot of the more modern films, though, um, except I mean, Lino and Stitch doesn't really do it, but things like Mulan, which we didn't watch with Noah, I'm I'm weirdly 
conscious of what he's watching at the moment because he's so young that uh-huh. all it takes really is something shocking to be on the screen and he doesn't re- I don't think he's really old enough to contextualize it he might be fine with it but at the same time it, it might scare him to the yeah. extent that we have a quite an uncomfortable uh, time straight afterwards but monsters inc and a lot of the older pixar films and also most of the Disney films, actually, aside from Lilo and Stitch, are really light on details in the background. Very, yeah. very simple, sort of sparse uh, uh, use of the screen, and um, and quite often, like like with Mulan, they they deliberately stylize it in a way that, on the one hand, looks gorgeous, but on the other hand, re- really does mean there's not an awful lot to look at if you don't know. Yeah. yeah what's going on necessarily whereas Totoro every frame has just so much going on I know I've, I've talked about it so much though in the past I, I, I think I think you can you can go too far though because Scarlet really reacts badly to emotional jeopardy um, right. for example she was watching Nativity 2 Danger in a Manger <laughs> over, over Christmas which is a very light hearted it's okay actually it's not it's not too bad it's got nice songs and, and engaging enough characters but um, there was a bit where there's these children with David Tennant and the bloke from Psychedelic mm-hmm. walking walking through a wood, and um, one of them has a baby. Uh, their their brother or sister, not not like a young child. It's not that sort of film. But mm-hmm. um, the the baby goes missing at one point, and Nikki and I could tell if we weren't in the room. Nikki and I could always tell when that happened because she'd start crying very loudly. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Because she just she couldn't handle that. It, the other day we sat down, we sat down to try and watch Disney's Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen Disney's Tarzan. It's a several. Be- I love it. It's a except be- for Phil Collins stuff. It's a it's a beautiful looking film for sure. We got ten minutes into it and had to turn it off because just it Scarlet could not handle the death of the baby gorilla. And the death of Tarzan's parents in the first ten minutes. It was, she was literally we had to cuddle her down from the ceiling. It was, it was tears and everything. She really blew our brains. It is pretty bleak. Frozen brushes over all of that stuff. Oh, very, ne- very neatly, yeah. Ve- very neatly, but it's quite brutal. Tarzan's quite brutal. It's also yeah. got one of the most brutal deaths of a baddie mm. at the end. Good. So. Have you you've seen it though, haven't you? No, no, we we only got ten minutes into it. So thank you. For oh my, that. oh my goodness. Well, I mean, there are lots I, of baddies in it, so who, I could I could be talking about anyone. Anyway, one of them dies. Who would have thought a baddie gets their comeuppance at the end of a Disney film? <laughs> um, it's no, it's they, they, they've decided that was the one film where they decided to go for moral ambiguity. <laughs> um, well, Walt Disney himself was all about that, wasn't he? Oh yeah, and um, what's been going on with uh, because we haven't talked for a little bit about the kids. I should just. Uh, Things that Noah's been up to that I don't think we've I don't think we've had a chance to mention. Okay, so I have I mentioned on this podcast I think I've mentioned his love of Prince. No the uh, the album Around the World in a Day. I, I don't remember you mentioning that. It's uh, sometimes when he's eating it's Prince um, or Noah. Noah. Sometimes when Noah's eating it can be difficult to get him to if he's not in the mood if we've missed the window for how tired he is or whatever he can get a bit mm. difficult not like he's i mean when i say no is difficult i don't compared to most children he's just <laughs> ridiculously not but um 
and so we quite often listen to music which he he's always loved music I think I've gone on about how much he loves mm. he loves just songs and stuff since, since very early on and again I don't think that's particularly unusual of him uh, of a child but I um, I've got we've got our main iPod which is about five or six years old now and is big and has loads of our music on and then I've got my little old iPod Touch, which I got given as part of a project at work, which has hardly anything on, which was just my stuff. Yeah. And at one point, I was uh, Amy was out, and I was feeding Noah, and she has the iPod in the car. And um, so I only had the music that was on my little iPod Touch, uh-huh. uh, which, uh, you know, that's, all, that's also the... Um, the piece of kit that I've uh, I've recently listened to a couple of Bill Hicks albums and a Doug Stanhope album. There's not an awful mm. lot of music on it, <laughs> and certainly not that much music that doesn't have swearing in. And now is getting to the age where we have to be quite careful of 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 words that might be repeated and stuff. So, but one of the things it does have is um, I, I went through a phase of of uh, picking up albums that I used to have on cassette. Okay. That I really loved, and of course that that would have been late eighties, early nineties. So uh, I've got Around the World in a Day, which is a Prince album, which is a really good Prince album. On there, it's the one that's got Raspberry Beret and Paisley Park and uh, a bunch of other really good songs on it. Okay. Um, there's a Violent Femmes album on there, the main Violent Femmes album, the one that's got Blister in the Sun, and uh, um, although I have to be careful with that at the moment, it's okay. But there's a line in it. How can I get just one fuck? Uh, which we'll have to be quite careful of. Um, and also a bunch of Talking Heads is on there as well. Nice. And because that was all I had one dinner time, uh, when it was just me and him, I, mm. I panicked and played him some Prince. I thought, oh, well, I haven't listened to this album in a, in a while. I don't remember there being... This isn't one of Prince's filthy albums. Yeah. So uh, it should be okay. And it's actually a really lovely album, but it's also one of the weirder ones. It's got lots of sitar and stuff at, at the beginning. He fucking loves it. Awesome. But what he loves more mm. is the Talking Heads. I think it's one. I think it's called Once in a Lifetime. It's like a, a best yeah. of. Yeah. So, and it starts with Psycho Killer. Qu'est-ce que c'est? And um, it's got loads of other really good tracks on. Some really good sort of less known songs as well. But um, he And he likes all of them. But Psycho Killer is one of the few things... He's becoming more vocal. Well, I imagine doing the fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa-fa. Yeah, he lo- that's the bit. Better. He loves it. Yeah. I almost never get to hear him doing that stuff because it normally happens at lunchtime when I'm mm-hmm. around. He's normally quite distracted when I'm here. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the uh, the the singing along to Talking Heads is kind of it's something I'm particularly proud of. You know what you've got to do though, haven't you? You've got to show in the um, Kermit the Frog as David Byrne doing Once in a Lifetime. Oh, I don't think I even knew about that. Oh, it's so funny. He's got the shoulder pads and everything. He's doing the funny dance. See, I've I've tried to I've tried to put that video in the YouTube playlist mm. that we've got to calm him down but the uh, the video quality of of every version i found isn't isn't that great but it's because there's lots of copyable behavior yeah. in it isn't there oh yeah david byrne doing his funny little hand hand across his That's arm it. dance yep which i assume is sign language for something but i don't know what um it's uh, sign language for a pretentious art pop 
Oh, don't spoil it by saying he's protected. I mean, he is, though. They, they are, but they're, they're wonderful. I, I, I love Once in a Lifetime. I think it's a great song. I uh, Too much one... emphasis on great there. I'm going to regret that later. No, no, it is. It's great. It's one of my favourites. Yeah, but it's no, from it's the, film... the way I said it, it was very, um, very local DJ. Oh, was it? I didn't yeah. really register that. I, I was too I was too busy getting excited about te- telling you that the first time I heard it was in the film Down and Out in Beverly Hills oh, with Richard Dreyfuss mm. and um, oh gosh is it Jeff Bridges? No, it was uh, wasn't it Nick Nolte. Ah, Nick Nolte, that's it. He plays the tramp, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's a bit mid of the wife. Yes, and it, it's I think so, and it starts with Once in a Lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the song's kind of been stuck in my head. Like I, I've just loved it ever ever since. I think, yeah. uh, which is which makes that about twenty five years I've been in love with that one song. And well, it was also the theme tune to least. the TV program Numbers, which, which is a slightly odder fit. Um, something that's vaguely related to Talking Heads that happened the other day is we were listening to the radio on the way to the shops. Lots of pram shopping. We'll talk about that in the next proper episode, probably. Because um, it's one of my ongoing frustrating things that's happening at the moment, and the DJ played "Big Yellow Taxi" by Joni Mitchell, yeah. but explained that he just and he'd obviously just picked this up off the Wikipedia page or 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 one of his researchers had um, that Joni Mitchell uh, was inspired to write that song by she was staying in this hotel in Hawaii. It was her first visit to Hawaii. She looked out of the hotel window at these gorgeous mountains in the distance and was like amazed and then she looked down and just saw a big car park and she was like <laughs> she was just like oh oh how could we ruin such a such an amazing place and um I've always I've always quite liked the song Big Yellow Taxi because I've always kind of thought it, like it, it is a bit twee but it's quite a cute melody and it's it sounds it's very catchy and it's nice and it is kind of upbeat and um, there's kind of an environmental message in there that's put in a bit of a whimsical and silly way, uh, like n- shallow way, but it's oh, it's quite lovely. nice. And I, and I thought, and I've always kind of felt that it was inspired by this general, like th- this this general feeling at the time that Joni Mitchell had that uh, we were uh, we were ruining the environment of all of this different stuff. And it's like no. No, she was a tourist in a hotel in Hawaii and she looked out and saw a car park and that just brings me crashing back to earth. And I'm what? like... I, 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 it feels like the song's actually a bit cheap and silly now to I me. Think, I think you've let cynicism make uh, too cosy a home in your heart, Nick. Do you think? Yeah. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was coming from a more... Holistic, holistic place. Really? Yeah, but then it would have been like you know she would have she would have come up with it you know after um you know a couple of years on a on a on a a, what they called you know where all the hippies live commune. Yeah, and that would have been shit as well. The hippies were shit, mate. I mean, no, I mean they they were, but it's just I thought that song was uh, it, it just it just makes me think of the beach. I tweeted about this earlier on that like there's nothing more uh gross than tourists in a place complaining about how uh building how a place being built up is ruining the natural environment yeah. because 
I, I imagine most of most of the people who lived in Hawaii a hundred or so, who you know, who lived in Hawaii a hundred or so years ago, probably quite liked it the way it was before people started holidaying. <laughs> well, presumably, it's, if you go back far enough, there'd be people there that enjoyed it well enough before the Americans came and said, well, "Yes, we'd be having that." It's it's this it's that central tension at the. It doesn't really come up as much in the film, but the uh, the book of the beach has this really sardonic thing running through it, which is all of these middle class backpackers from uh, from the, uh, the 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 more traditional Western civilization parts of the world going on and on about finding the most unspoiled place and then going there and spoiling <laughs> it. It's and yeah, not realising the irony of what they're doing no. at all. Um, and it kind of taps into that. And I think part of the reason I had so much of a problem with it is that, obviously, if we're talking about the Talking Heads, on the same album there's a, a song called Nothing But Flowers, mm. which is basically a piss-take of that exact song. It's, And I just feel like once you have Byrne being satirical, uh-huh. uh, David Byrne being satirical about something... You've got like one of the most sharp, maybe a bit pretentious, but but intellect kind of. I've got that pretentious thing in your head now, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. They are though, aren't they? But it's <laughs> yeah, um, wonderfully so, though. But it's just like I don't think that Dave, I don't think that David Byrne really thinks uh, that it would be the most awful thing in the world if we lost some of our buildings to green spaces. Mm. You know. But I think he's. Uh, it feels like he's skewering something quite smartly there, and Big Yellow Taxi just doesn't really stand up to that sort of scrutiny. What, what do you think inspired the Nick Kershaw song Save the Whale? Where he sings, Save the Whale, Save the Whale, Save the Whale. What do you think inspired that? I think, um, I think Nick Kershaw had probably been uh, to the same uh, the same branch of Butlins in Fueli yeah that that I went to as a as a youngster uh-huh and uh and he gets very confused between the country whales <laughs> and uh, and the, the creature whale so that could be although I, I think that's what I, sh- that. I shouldn't take the piss the riddle remains one of my favorite uh, guilty pleasures if you could have such a thing the Riddler remains one of my favourite no. guilty pleasures. I bet he does. I've I've gone on. I feel like I've gone on. Um, the, I feel like you've gone on. I was I wasn't intending to. One thing I want. One thing I've wanted to mention, and I've been meaning to do this. I, I've been meaning to mention this in the mailing list for the last couple of weeks. One video that I keep showing Noah, a music video that I keep showing Noah, but I might not because it's a little bit aggressive at points. Hmm. Is the uh, video to the song Elastic Heart by Sia. Okay, I don't know it, but it's it's caused a little bit of controversy because people have the, the, the video is basically it's this it's this big it's like a, a giant um, uh, like a, a metal bird like a giant bird cage okay. kind of thing, and uh, and in the middle there's uh, Sheila Booth oh, looking wrestling all, a thirteen year old, yeah yes basically yeah I've 12, heard 12 of um, and it's I mean again it's a very pretentious video. Okay, uh, but but the the immediate visual taken out of context is is one that we can't as a culture not have certain reactions to. Yeah. Um. 
which means that when people have been complaining that this video is paedophilic, and then other people have been going, eh, that's just you bringing your dirty mind to it, blah, 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 it's not paedophilic, I kind of have to fall in the middle somewhere. Okay. Because actually, it it, it isn't really. There's a story playing out in the video, which is very allegorical and very much about different sides of a person's character fighting with each other. Mm. And there's no sexual content to it at all. And beyond... she said she said of those two, she could not think of better people to represent the uh, dual sides of her personality. Apparently that casting was very personal to her. See, I do know about this. Ah, yes. Yes, I you can't do. Remember, I can't remember where I heard it. Um, it's There were two interpretations going around, and that's the one that, that I'd kind of got, having seen the first video, the Sia Chandelier video, with the same dancer in it, and getting the sense that, that Sia was using that girl as a stand-in for a particular side of her character very self-destructive sort of manic side of her character the, re- the reason I'm a little bit hang on oh your dogs, dogs are tap dancing dogs on walk about how do you like me now hey <laughs> she's doing her own little interpretive dance and and there's a certain amount of there is like uh, interpretive dance can be a bit difficult sometimes I think it looks a bit silly the main, re- the main reason I'm not sure I'm going to keep showing no this particular video is nothing to do with the can you hear that? Is the mic picking up her drinking? No. Who's drinking? Okay, no, I can't hear that. Although yesterday, uh, yesterday we were sat on the sofa. Um, <laughs> she's not been very well. Go on, go sit down. There's nothing for you here. I'm yeah, just uh, imagining she's... Anya now with a cane and a straw boater. <laughs> she's licking Noah's... Um, She's licking Noah's uh, chair that he sits on when he eats because right. he quite often drops stuff. Uh, yesterday when we were on the sofa watching TV, there she goes. <laughs> she just she lives to dance, Nick. Yeah. Um, we, we were uh, watching TV and Willow decided she was going to have a clean and she All was right. sitting in between us. Nice. And uh, you know when the dog really, really gets into it? Yeah. It was one of those... <laughs> It yeah. was horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a couple of scenes in it where uh, Sheila Booth, and for all that everyone says about him, he's really, I think he's really good. He gives a really strong performance in this video. And there's a couple of bits where he's kind of, although you can't hear him because uh, it's a music video, there's like he's, he's, he's screaming and quite aggressive. And I'm like, every time that bit of the video comes around, I sort of, I can't help looking at Noah and and trying to make sure he knows that it's nothing serious. Do you know what I mean? I do. I think at his age, that's the sort of thing I really worry about, is is sudden visual aggression and stuff like that. But the, the, reason, the reason I wanted to mention the video is um, that I, I kind of want you to watch it, but at the same time, the things I want to know what you think of it... Mm. might also be a little bit hard to take right if that makes sense okay i've read um i've read a a a, a blog post uh, by uh, i think it was by sam binney 
who's who's an author and actually recently started doing a, a, a podcast about parenting herself called uh, with a friend called Dumb Dumbsnet, which the first episode of was quite good. They're much, I think they're they're a bit younger than us, so there's more discussion of. Um, of how much your life changes when you like the, the things you can and can't do anymore yeah. when you uh, have kids. Whereas I, I think, can't get out of the sofa without making a noise. Yeah, well, I I kind of already everything I would have had to have given up, like going out without thinking about babysitters and stuff. Mm. I wasn't going out anymore. You know, wasn't doing any of that stuff. No. But anyway, she wrote a blog post about this particular video, and there's there's a particular bit in it which I think gave rise to another theory about the video, that it's uh, about Sia's relationship with her father. Okay. Who, in the theory says, was a depressive character and her constantly mm. trying to bring him round. But there's a scene where the... I'd um, rather not watch this video. <laughs> well, it's... It, again, it's all allegorical, and I don't know if if everyone would get the same sense from it, but she had... The, the writer... Um, that Sam Binney had the same... It's the same point in the video where she always apparently goes a little bit, Uh that I go a little bit, uh, independently of having read her blog post, which is a point where the Sheila Booth, the character played by Sheila Booth, is carrying Mm. the character uh, played by the little girl, Mm. and she's banging on his head, like, and every time she bangs on his head, he makes a different face and portrays a different expression. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just, for some reason, and I don't know what it is about it, but I get the feeling the thing it's resonating with in me would probably resonate with you as well. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. It's making me feel sad as it is. Yeah, well, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of uh, beautiful as well. And I mm. just uh, would like to know what you th- think about it and what, what people think about it. I have, a, I have a look, but I'm awfully preoccupied about the effect depression has on individuals around you, so... We'll yes. see. Well, see how I feel. Well, I d- you see, there's a thing. I don't. I, <clears throat> I think the thing about her dad is a red herring. I don't. I don't think that's the intention with it. Although there is, there is definitely a paternal thing wrapped up in it. And actually, it isn't really about the effects you have on other people. It's about the effects they have on you. Maybe. Um, speaking as a person who is particularly dark mm. of character myself. And knowing how completely that dissipates when I'm holding Noah. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it comes back immediately after he's gone, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what's, in, what's interesting in this video um, is the there's kind of this push and pull where the two different sides of the character are fighting each other for most of it. But then there's a point at which the one side of the character is trying to pull the other side of the character out of its comfort zone which I found really interesting it's kind of a manic depressive sort of thing not like manic depressive as in someone with manic depression but you know there's the the manic side of the character and the depressive side of the character yeah. that we, we all kind of suffer um, the thing I really wanted to talk about and I'm conscious that this hasn't been a short episode the short episode I promised you're a liar uh, but the thing that I, I kind of want us to pick up on later on uh, it's. Uh, I owe you a bit of a, an apology because over the last couple of days, I I kind of, without thinking, uh, gave, and hopefully you don't mind me saying this on mic, um, I, I kind of 
I've I've been struggling a little bit mm. with my own particular like mental mm. issues. And um, we've we've missed a you know uh, I missed a couple of episodes of this and we were running a little bit late with this episode and and so that's why I think when we talked about it yesterday via text it it it, it maybe felt like I was talking about this show I was talking about two gem okay. but um, but actually you know it's one of the things like when people talk about parenting this is the thing that really brings it to parenting really. People quite often talk about how much time they lose and, and how much time the kids take up and how much less time you've got. And uh, the thing, I've never felt that, having a child. And I'm not worried about feeling that with another child right around the corner because I never have trouble spending time with Noah at all. Um, and the same kind of goes with spending time with you on this podcast. Mm. But but the thing I was trying to get across when I was talking to you uh, and listener, sorry about this because this is kind of a, uh, it, it probably feels like I'm coming in halfway through. But there is a there is a um, halfway through a conversation. But there is a, a moving parts to this that I think we I'd like to talk about in later episodes. Oh, um, I, I think that you and I, James, we're kind of we're very different. But we end up in similar places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've both got a, a level of anxiety and depression in our characters. Uh-huh. But the thing I've been thinking about today, because I was trying to explain it to you a little bit last night, was I think with you, the depression is the main thing. And a lot of your anxiety comes out of the, de- the depression. Mm-hmm. Whereas with me, it's almost exactly the opposite way around. <laughs> sure. I'm a very anxious person... Um, I've got lots more nervous energy than I think is is necessarily healthy. And when I get depressed, it's quite often because of a cumulative... Well, actually, normally it's because of a breakup or something awful that happened at work. When I get proper big D depressed. But the little de- the little depressions, which are the one I've been kind of suffering from a little bit recently, is it's a build-up of all of these different anxieties I've got. Sure. I feel very much like I've got lots of plates spinning. And uh, I guess, okay, what's the best way to describe it? I might be misusing this word, but what what bothers me, what really uh, chips away at me is, is entropy. It's kind of this feeling that I'm managing now to do all of the things I need to be doing. But every time, say I've got, uh, I'm a bit ill, like I have been recently, um, I, I'm I'm worried that maybe I don't recover, and this is this is partly the thing to do with being in my forties as well. I ca- which I'm I, really st- I I kind of I I kind of think I know where you're coming from. This sort of growing sense of decay. Yeah, mm. e- exactly. This this feeling will okay that most people when they have a cold, when they have a really bad cold or, or whatever, or, or they are starting to struggle to keep on top of things Mm. Um, like all of the different projects I've got going on uh, um, like the other podcasts we do and all the other things I want to do every time I drop the ball once it's harder it's harder to imagine that I'll get back on top of it again yeah 
if you see what I mean. And so that feeling of being stretched thin, which has never really... I've, I didn't spend most of my 20s doing very much, so yeah. this is all new for me anyway. Um, there's There's this... Yeah, there's this slight concern that, okay, well, I can manage a little bit of stress for a while or I can manage to be a little bit ill for a while. The, the big problem we've had in the house over the last few weeks was when Amy got ill as well. Like I'd had a few days off and Amy's heavily pregnant, but she's been holding things together. But then when she got sick with the sickness bug and I was still not very well because I didn't get it until a little bit after her, but I still wasn't very well because of my cold. Suddenly I'm like, well... Who the fuck's gonna? Who the fuck's gonna <laughs> handle everything? The, I, we we can sustain what's going on as long as Amy is as strong as Amy has been, which is kind of an unreasonable requirement of no, her. No, I, I I can empathise. I live in fear of Nikki getting ill. It's it's quite it, it's quite nerve wracking, isn't it? And 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 at the moment, it feels like I'm getting lots of little things like that, lots of reminders that maybe. One thing that's uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about this anyway, and and the reason I wanted to bring it up in this weird episode where we're not face to face, is that the I short, kind of want to know if episode. listeners, I want to know if listeners want us to talk more about this later on if it's something that would be interesting. Um, and I definitely want to hear what the listeners thought of those two episodes because a few of them have talked to us on uh, Twitter, the ones with you and your family. Okay. Because people have talked to us about them on Twitter and it's been really nice. But if other people liked it, I'd really like them to email us or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to know, because we've talked a lot, about, a lot about depression, but this weird sort of anxiety. Um, I, I'd be interested to know if it's interesting for us to talk more about that later on, if you see what I mean. Well, I'm interested. Because it's, it's kind of... I mean, I, I wanted to talk to you about this anyway, and then I listened to a podcast called Startup. Okay. Um, the latest episode of that, On the Way Home from Work. And that's about a... Uh, well, literally, it's about a startup. It's like a, a storytelling podcast or, a, or almost a documentary podcast uh, about the, the guy who's doing the podcast is also trying to set up a podcast network. Okay. And they've got a few good shows on. They've got like another podcast on in their network and stuff like that. It's quite it's quite an interesting listen if you're into that sort of thing. They're very engaging. But the episode that I listened to today was called Burnout. And it was about this feeling that people in the office are getting, this uh, uh, the company are getting, that like they've been working, because they're working for a startup, they've been working for this like ridiculous hours like uh, going home at 4am in the morning and then going back into the office at 9am. And we're at a point now in the story where some of them are starting to think, well, it's fine if I do this. I can do this for maybe a couple of months. Yeah. But what if this is normal now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long are we going to be able to keep functioning like this? Um, and that's the... That idea of the new normal is one that I always I, mm. I think about quite a lot, and I've been thinking about recently. Well, okay, is there ever going to be a point when I'm not coughing a little bit? Yeah. Am I always going to have this little thing in the back of my throat? And, and in terms of in terms of work, it's something that I know I'd nag you about, and I'd nag people around us about all the time. That idea that, like, look, if you tell them, if you give your boss the impression that you're happy to keep working till ten past five, 
you're not going to get rewarded for that. They're just going to think that they can always expect you to work till 10 yeah, past yeah. five. And, and things creep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things have a tendency to get worse in increments rather yeah. than... So anyway, I'd like to know if that's interesting to anyone. Let's cheer me up. Cheers for that. Sorry, dude. God. Well, I mean, you know... It's all right. Like, I've got I've got I've got a counselling session tomorrow, so hopefully she can deprogram me. Well, I'm just stuck with this. <laughs> it's just me. My wife. There, there's, there's help if you want it, Nick. We, we haven't we haven't had our breaking point in uh, in this relationship. Good, I mean, um, you and I have probably lots of times. Oh, I mean, Amy and I. There hasn't. You know, we, we both have yeah. very practically minded wives. Uh, but uh, and Amy's. Every few months, I'll have a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, and she'll be very good for that evening. Yes, but a lot of the time, she just doesn't understand, <laughs> which I can't blame her for. But it's um, yeah. So she's going to come home from being out, and I'm going to be like, "Oh, dude," I'm going to be like, "Oh, yeah." James and I had a really good uh, conversation. I totally triggered him, no. left him feeling miserable, you, you and did. I've been sat here on my own for an hour. You didn't, although I have, I have been triggered today, but not by you. Oh my goodness! By what? I was a bit gleeful then. I'm sorry. That was my lack of empathy coming through. <laughs> you triggered awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically a psychopath at this mm. point. I think. I don't think so. Anyway, so uh, that was um, an extra short episode of uh, Two Grown Men at 50 minutes. Yeah, that's good work. Have you got any plans for the rest of the evening? Or are you just going to go off and wank? <clears throat> um, I'm going to um, get an early night. Because I hope to wake up at two o'clock where there's a new live getting high, uh, getting uh, dug with high. Which I mean, you really love that show. I can't get enough of it. I like a lot of the VPN network. I've been watching a lot of uh, Norm McDonald Live, which is uh, some really good stuff on there. Really enjoyable interviews, and Norm McDonald's a very enjoyable dry wit. Have you ever listened to uh, Mark Maron's interview show? Because I'm pretty sure both of those guys have been interviewed by him at some point. Mark, Mark Maron's on the one that I intend to watch next, but ah. um, I don't care for his um, facial hair. <laughs> oh, man. But I've got facial hair. So have I. I've, got, I've probably got more facial hair than I've had in a long, long while. But you never, ever look at yourself. No, I do. That's, that's, no, I do look at myself. How? Why, why did you get the impression I never look at myself? I don't. I don't understand how you could. What? Well, what do you mean? How would a person look at them? I mean, I basically Amy describe like every night. I ask Amy to describe me. Are you not? You know mirrors. What are they? Jesus! What is going on? <laughs> There's a few I'm, weird panes of glass around. There. I'm really scared. <laughs> It is possible that I um, inhale too much bathroom cleaning um, fumes today. No, oh, a, ba- t- a bad thing. A bad thing happened there, James. I used a lot what? of sillet bang. I mean, <laughs> that's not one of the side effects they talk about. Um, a, a, a bad thing happened uh, just then. Uh, did basically, you, did you come? No, that'd be a good thing. I um, I start. I have been edging the whole way through this podcast. Oh. I I started doing a skit where I was pretending not to understand that a commonplace thing yeah. existed, i.e. Yeah. mirrors. And then at a certain point, I realised that the only possible outcome, 
that it, it would seem that I was doing that uh, mid nineties uh, gothy thing of pretending to be a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> which I absolutely didn't want to do. So I lost all, I lost all stomach for the skit. I to think, be honest, I think that's it. If you're going to start improvising, Nick, you got to commit. Yeah, I can't. I can't commit to a mid nineties goth pretending to no. be a vampire thing. I prefer the eighties versions of goths because they befriended me and lent me albums. Uh, the eighties Kenne- version, Dead Kennedys as well, very punky goths. Oh, I wonder if I've got any Dead Kennedys. I bet Noah would like it. Um, I yeah, too drunk to fuck is is. I've I've said to Nicola on many occasions that she has to play too drunk to fuck at my funeral. Although to be fair, it's not true. I don't think I've ever. Yeah, no, of course I have. For not what being too too drunk to fuck. Yeah, I just I just never tried when I was that drunk. That's all. Why would anyone want me to? Anyway, oh god! <laughs> I mean, I I must be unpleasant enough at the best of times, but god, drunk as well. <laughs> oh, the last thing you want me is having sex on you with no inhibitions. <laughs> for. Uh, for no apparent reason, while I was sitting at work today, I, a bunch of uh, a bunch of nineties industrial music occurred to me. I think there were only really two. There was a, a song by Sheep on Drugs, and I can't remember which one. Okay, exactly. There's uh, so many to choose from. Well, also, I think it was Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Was that by oh, Ministry? Yeah, that's a song and a half. I wasn't listening to industrial music at that period of my life. So have you, do you know the song I mean, though? No, I was uh, pretending not to. No, I, I don't know it. It's a, it's a, it's a song and a half, but it's like that song and a half crashed into each other and there's jaggedy bits sticking out all over the place. A bit like A Day in the Life by the uh, Beatles, right? It's almost identical to A yeah. Day in the Life by the Beatles. It is, you're absolutely right. Day in the Life is a fucking amazing song. Oh, it's wonderful. I think I've got a thing about... Look, I'm going to be controversial here, Nick. I quite like the Beatles. No, I, I, I don't think that's quite. I don't think that's as controversial as your stance on Queen, to be honest. Queen, they're they're kind of okay, but they're just grating, and um, such an embarrassment now when they perform. The uh, the we saw the New Year's show. Oh, I mean, I, I thought the guy they had performing with them. Very talented, real sort of showman, really great voice, but it's Couldn't just... help but be like karaoke, could it? No, but that's what it is, isn't it? It's, oh, it's dreadful. It must be awful for you when you're standing in, uh, when when you're standing in for someone and then midway through songs they just uh, stop putting projections of the original yeah. frontman singing behind you. Doing it better. <laughs> oh my goodness! Mm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. The, 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 there's a, there's a thread there. The songs that really stuck with me, like "Day in the Life," is one of mm. them, and uh, "Once in a Lifetime" is another one. And they're all kind that of. Wasn't, they're not. They're not by the Beatles, mate. They're... No, I know. But there's very there's they're they're all kind of quite depressing, sort of, I guess, metaphysical looks at mundane life. All the best music's like that. That was pretty much how I felt throughout my 20s. Yeah. I read the news today. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Shall we go? Oh, I'm going to go listen to This Is How It Feels by these viral carpets on, <laughs> on loop now. So it feels to be small. Some guy from the top estate. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. The first time I heard that song, mm. it was uh, a girl 
when I was in the sixth form, it was a girl called Jessie that I went out mm. with. I went out with her for two months, and I didn't go over her for, well, until I left the town about wow. two years later. Brilliant. Um, and, but she was the first person I knew who really knew any of that Manchester. Her, her um, sister was at, at, at university in mm. Manchester. And if we're about to launch into a conversation about the music of the early 90s, we definitely need to put a pin in that till another day. Oh, no, 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 no. I, this is about Jessie. Okay. Um, and um, and I think I think what happened... I didn't re- register that this is what happened at the time, but I think what happened was um, I accidentally happened to be a, a bit charming and very interested on a dance floor at a point when she was just working out that she could be attractive. And so I thought we had a genuine connection, but I think what actually happened was I just got her while she was, like, experiencing this out-of-the-cocoon thing, this weird thing that was going on. Good for anyway, you. Well, yeah, I mean, I was so we spent a whole evening on a dance floor and then uh, at this uh, six-form disco that used to used to play loads of indie stuff. and But she knew all of the music way better than I did. And then we, we went and sat down and we were all sweaty and we started kissing and it was lovely. She used to sing that song. And we used to do the accent, and it was silly, and it was lovely. You know, this is how it feels to be small. And then when she split up with me, basically, it's not like the Inspiral Carpets went away or anything. That song was everywhere. In in many ways, the Inspiral Carpets have always been with us. Yes. <laughs> they were <laughs> Since the very beginning of time. And, and so, basically, that song was played every time we were at a, a disco, every time I was at a disco or anything. And it's not a song that's really great to to have to listen to when your heart's been broken by the person who used to sing it to you because mm. that was how it felt to be small and that was how it felt when your world meant nothing at all nothing at all and exactly the same thing happened with this uh, girl I went out with at university and the song Creep as it happens <sighs> music's depressing man well it is now shall we go god almighty <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm sorry, dude. I clearly had some stuff to get out of my system. No, that's fine. That's fine.